Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. As we get into this morning, I just have a couple of things that I just want to talk through. Yeah. Because though we can say, it's your breath in my lungs, God, and I pour out my praise, though we can say, you are great, there's times when we ask God hard questions, knowing that he's great and good enough to answer them, but we ask him some hard questions. I wrote a few down. I don't know about you, but I've asked questions like this. God, what is going on? God, do you see me? Have you ever asked that question before? God, do you hear me? God, do you really know me? God, do you notice the pain that's going around? Do you see the chaos in my family? God, do you hear my cries? I see confusion and division all around me. Do you see me? Do you hear me? How are you using bad things for good? Great are your Lord, but how? Anyone ever feel that? Anyone ever been there? God, why is this going on in our culture? Why is Afghanistan going on right now? Where are you, Lord? Great are you, Lord, but where are you, Lord? Anyone have these questions? What are you doing? Do you care? How are you using this for good? These are honest questions. And I'm really excited to make, um, make them very present. Because sometimes we ask these questions and we feel like God is just not responding. Anyone ever feel that way? You ask those questions and you feel like God is not responding. You ask the question of why God, how God, where God, who, and he just feels like he's not responding. This morning we're starting a three-week, very small series over a three-chaptered book in the Old Testament. Odds are the people in this room have either never opened it or you opened it once and put it aside because you're like, is it pronounced Habakkuk or Habakkuk or Habakkuk? And so you put it aside. But in those three chapters, the Lord responds to every one of those prayers. Because those prayers are the exact ones on the mouth of Habakkuk. God, where are you? What are you doing? I'm surrounded by so much. Do you hear me? Do you see me? Do you care about your people? Do you realize that death is happening? Do you honestly care? And it wasn't from a anger because he says, Lord, my God, I know you're great, but how, where, how, who, why, what? And the Lord responds. So that's where we're getting this morning. But I just want to pray for us before we get into it, because I don't know how your past uh, week has been. But I know that as a whole, our past year, as humans, (laughs) has been hard. And so I want the Lord to know that we are ready to hear his response. Did you know that the Lord is responding to you? He's responding to your questions. So let's pray. God, I just, your word says that those who draw near to you, you make yourself very present. James says, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. So God, this is my, this is my heart drawing near to you as a pastor. 
I might be on the stage, but God, I am a child who is hungry for the Father. So God, I draw near to you. God, I pray that we as a church will draw near to you. That we'll hear from your words and respond accordingly, God, because you hear us, you see us, you know us, you feel, you care. You're responding. So God, may we be attentive to that, and I pray that you move in great ways for your glory, Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, this morning, as I said, thank you, Gabby, for that. This morning, as I said, we are diving into Habakkuk. Out of just out of curiosity, how many of you guys uh, like recall the words of Habakkuk? Anyone? Anyone just is like, oh, I love, that's my book, that's my jam. <laughs> cool, two of you. Well, I will tell you, if you, this is honest truth, if you stick with us, we're going to read all three chapters, and I, I promise you, not today, not only, all right, you're not, you didn't shi- sign up to read all three chapters today, but you did sign up if you join us that for the next three weeks, we're going to dive into all three chapters, and I love this book. I was not prepared for how, uh, how good it would be and how present. So here's my, here's my commitment to you. All these three weeks, I will show up. I will do my duty this week, during the weeks, to learn this text, to know it, so that I can teach it. But can I have you guys, you, like, and I mean, I need your eyes. Like, can I have you, your commitment to showing up, learning this text with me? inviting others to learn it. I mean, this will be a podcast come tomorrow. And you're like, goodness, this, this series, the Lord spoke. Can you listen to this and join me on Sunday as we dive into week two? You have the ability. Did you know that? You guys have the ability. Everyone has a phone. You have the ability to send out a podcast. You can text that thing to anyone. You can send it to anyone. And so I just want your commitment. I want to dive into this and goodness, God has stretched me. But will you be with me through this too? Will you walk through this with me too? Because it's interesting, the book of Habakkuk, unlike any other Old Testament prophet book, every Old Testament prophet book, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, every single one of them, God speaks through the prophet and warns or condemns or calls out Israel for where they're at. Did you know that this is the only Old Testament prophet book that has no warnings? It has no word from God through Habakkuk for the people. Instead, the book is written in a very cool way where Habakkuk is praying and the Lord is responding. Habakkuk is praying and the Lord is responding. That's the whole book. All three chapters is a prayer dialogue uh, of, of Habakkuk asking the same things that we ask. God, why? Where? How? Babylon is coming. Assyria is surrounding our people. Like, have, do you see that we're in economic turmoil? Do you see that division? Do you see that the people have turned away from you? Israelites, good God-fearing Israelites have now just gone off. Do you see? Do you care, God? What are you doing? And the Lord responds each and every time. And I'm excited because he's responding to us too through it. So these three chapters are really easy, really simple, but this morning, if you can, we're going to just dive right into it. All right, there, there will be the text up here, uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, and we're literally diving into chapter 1 and then ending at 2, chapter 2, verse 5. I mean, so we're not getting very far into this, but if you have a, a Bible app, I encourage you, read it from there, take notes, join in, like this, I will make sense of it for you, okay? 
It's a little confusing. You got to know the time period, but we're, it's going to make sense. I bet even as we get into this, you're going to start realizing the correlations between what Habakkuk is praying and maybe what you've prayed. You've prayed this past week as you saw everything happening in Afghanistan. That You've prayed this past year as you've seen everything happen in our world, in our city, in our families. Did you know the Bible says that as Jesus is preached, there will be division in families? I just went, did you know, like, the Bible says that there will be husband and wife who who are, are, are against each other. There will be mother and daughter who are against each other because of this gospel. That there's this division that happens, and we, we got to realize that this is true. But this is what Habakkuk says. Verse 2 of chapter 1, he says, Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and that you will listen? Or cry to you violence and you won't save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention, they arise all around. So the law becomes slack. He's literally saying, in my city, in my town right now, the law is nothing. People are doing whatever they want. The law is nothing and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous and therefore the judgment that comes forth is perverted. Literally, the the message translation says this, anarchy and violence are breaking out. I feel like anyone could say this, like tweet this, and it would make sense of now too. Quarrels and fights are all over the place on Facebook. Law and order fall into pieces. That's what the message says. Justice is a joke. (laughs) That's what Habakkuk is saying. God, do you care that justice in America is a joke right now? God, do you care that justice in in Afghanistan is a joke right now? Do you care it's not happening? What's going on? It's interesting. He he says, how can you do this? How can you do this? And then the Lord responds. And this is going to test some of you. This is going to challenge some of you. The Lord responds literally right after this. Verse 5, the Lord says this. Hey, Habakkuk, I need you to look among the nations and see. I need you to wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe it. Some translations say you would not believe it even if you were told. I'm doing a work. Look among the nations. Now, uh, before we get into what this actually is, what, what he, God is doing, his response, which you're not going to be as happy about it as, as you think. Habakkuk wasn't. But before we get into that, I just want to like pinpoint Do you see that God is saying almost the exact same things in that first sentence that Habakkuk was praying and pleading to the Lord? Habakkuk was saying, hey, God, do you see me? Hey, God, are you looking at me? Do you care? Do you realize what's going on, God? Are you noticing all the the justice that is perverted, all the things that are broken? Do you see? And God says this, hey, look, (laughs) I need you to see. It's very interesting. The word look here literally means I need you to be present. I need you to be present and see, behold, gaze, consider me. And you're going to wonder and be astounded. And it's, it's neat. I put this. It says, for I'm working. For I'm working. And if you notice when that, that sentence says, for I am doing a work, he also says that you wouldn't believe if you were told. In fact, it's like God saying this, for I'm working, but it's just a work that will challenge your beliefs. Now, I just want to pause. 
Sometimes we ask God to answer us, but if we can be honest, we are looking for God to do what we would do if we were God. Does that make sense? So he says, I, I need you to see Habakkuk. I need you to be present because I'm working, but it's a work that's going to challenge your beliefs because Habakkuk, I'm not doing what you would do. And sometimes we ask God, hey, God, where are you at? Because what we're looking for is what Greg would do if Greg had the power of God to do it. And then I'm like, God, why aren't you doing it? And he's like, I'm doing it. It's just going to challenge your beliefs. Or sometimes we, we expect God to do the things like as if his hands are like our hands. He should be holding what we want to hold. He should be hugging what we want to hug. He should be uh, attacking or helping or aiding what we want to aid and attack and help. And God's like, no, I'm working. It's just going to challenge your beliefs. And our beliefs, whew, they need to be challenged. Can I just tell you, like, even as a pastor up here, my belief of what I think God is capable of or able to do, my belief of his power, his work, my belief in his love, my belief in his justice, my belief in his greatness needs to be challenged daily. It needs to be challenged daily. Can we all just agree that your belief in God needs to be challenged? If you don't think it does, then whew, you're going to be blinded. You're going to be asking God, why aren't you doing stuff? And he's like, because you don't believe in me. You believe in yourself. Like, and, and in a wrong so, you're going to keep failing. And so we got to realize, like, I, my belief needs to be challenged. And God knew, like, I, I'm going to do something, Habakkuk, but I need your eyes to be open to it. It's going to be harder than you think. It's not going to be what you want to hear. But here's my response, because I do love you. But my response is this. I want you to not be biased, but my response is this. For behold, verse 6, I am raising up the Chaldeans. And you're like, okay, cool. What, what does that mean? He's saying, for behold, I am raising up the Babylonians. You see, right now, uh, right now, Israel is, a, is taken captive by Assyria. Their whole government has been changed. All around Habakkuk are families who are, are split in their allegiance. And he's knowing and pointing at the pain that Assyria has caused to his people. And he's like, God, do you not see? And then God's response says, hey, I'm about to do something that you're not going to believe. I am raising up. Some of your translations might say, I'm rousing up. I'm making angry. Like I'm stirring them to sin. And I'm sending you the Babylonians. Now in six verses, I, I, won't, I won't, well, seven, I guess. Seven verses following this, God is about to explain the Babylonians. I will paraphrase it for you because it's a little confusing. What you need to know is that the Babylonians are evil. They're hated. Everyone was afraid of the Babylonians. It literally means, hey, you think what you're afraid of, the Assyrians, what you're like, what you're blaming your fears on, I'm going to send you something worse. That's what he's saying right now. I'm, I'm going to send something worse. Literally, I, I'm sending you something different. Uh, verse 11 says, they will sweep in, the Babylonians, like the wind, Guilty men whose might is their own God. In other words, I'm going to raise up these evil people 
to overcome the evil people. They will consume each other and then go like the wind. And guess what? Habakkuk goes, no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, that's not what I'm praying for. I'm, that's not what I'm praying for. That's not what I'm praying for. God, why? In fact, this is his thing. He's like, are you not God from everlasting? Oh, Lord, my God, my holy God. Like, we shall not die. Why, why, you want us to die? If Babylon comes and attacks Assyria, they're going to die. We're going to die. It's going to be worse. Literally, it keeps going. And he's like, do you realize that the Babylonians are like fishers who catch the, the fish, the people, and slaughter them in a moment and then keep going? Do you realize that they don't care anything about kings or order or justice? I mean, I'm complaining about the lack of justice now. That would be worse. Do you realize do you have, it says like you've ordained them as our judgment and you, O rock, have established them as our reproof? You who are purer than the eyes, you have purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent as the wicked swallow up the men more righteous than he? In other words, God, Babylon is worse than Assyria. Assyria is better than Babylon. Why are you allowing Babylon to kill us? That doesn't make sense. It's going to make it worse. And I just want to pause, like, the, before you realize, before you take this as, as Habakkuk is angry and being bitter at the Lord, this is covenantal language. Habakkuk's not like, you're an idiot, God. He says, oh my God, my Lord, the Holy One. This is like, I, I know that you are good. Just make sense of this for me. This is huge. He's not complaining in a negative connotation. We'll get in that in a little bit. But he is saying, God, why? And though we don't get the full picture of why always, I will tell you this, and you're going to need to write this down. Sometimes God allows, can you put that slide up? Sometimes God allows a fearful and great power fearful and great power to come about so that a clear distinction is made. Sometimes God allows a fearful and great power to come up so that a clear distinction is made between the faithful and the unfaithful. And now I need you to hear this. You ready? This is why. Everyone was afraid of Babylon. Everyone. Assyria was afraid of Babylon. Assyria, everyone in the, in the area was afraid. And altogether, they collectively feared the great and fearful power of Babylon. But God brought them in so that one would fear and the other would submit. One would fear and spiral in it, and the other would submit to the Lord and be strong in it. You see, God allows fearfully great powers to come into a people group, and he's done this all the time. You want to talk about why the pandemic has happened? I don't know all of the ins and outs, but I do know that corona, in the eyes of everyone in the world, is a fearfully great power. And its coming into our present has caused a very clear division between the faithful and the unfaithful. Like, can we realize that this is like now? God allows Babylonian seasons to come about because they're fearfully great powers. 
that humanity is afraid of, death. That's what Babylon would bring, death. That's what this pandemic is bringing along, death. And as this occurs, a divide will happen between the people who are faithful to the Lord and those, literally, as he says, a divide will happen between the God worshipers and those whose might is their own God. In other words, if I can just use these words for you. Are you ready? Some people will say, okay, this thing is huge and I'm afraid. But I know that my God is greater than this great and fearful thing. So my, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I will worship him. And other people will say, this great and fearful thing is coming. So I must be greater. I must know everything. I must have all the knowledge so I can respond accordingly. I must, I must prepare myself. I must make way. And as I do this, my might will be my own God. What I can fathom, what I can handle, what I can do, what I can understand. Do you see this happening in our world? We're in a Babylonian season. And the Lord is responding. And you keep saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen? And he's like, because I need my people to realize that they are my people and to fear me, to honor me, to see me as great. These seasons happen all the time. And sometimes I wrote this down and this isn't a, a <laughs> it's not a slide, but I, I, I chose these words very, very, whew, very well, all right? Sometimes God allows a Babylon experience in the world so that everyone in the pot gets shaken up a bit. Let's talk about everyone in the pot. There are some people who are in Babylon or in Israel, Assyria already who are using the unjust economy for their own advantage. Can we just realize that two years ago that was happening in our world in general? Unjust economy, taking advantage of government, taking advantage of power and, 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 and kingship and, and leadership. All this is happening. So that person is in the pot. Also in the pot are the lazy and idle hearts of Israel. Also in the pot, can we also realize that two years ago, the church in general was lazy and idle? They're in the pot. It needs to be shook up. Also in the pot were the arrogant in the world who exercised their own authority and goal for gain. It's in the pot. Also in the pot is the comfortable in their captivity, Israel who's like, I know, but Assyria is not that bad. Like, we, we do get wages for our slavery. We do get wages for it. Can we all agree that two years ago, even some of you were comfortable in the captivity of your own sin? You were comfortable. I was comfortable. And so in that pot, Babylon comes, and everything gets shaken. For the first time in history, Right, And then it keeps happening, and everyone's like, oh, this is terrible and terrible. No, it's just a Babylonian experience again. It's going to shake up the pot so that everyone's on the same playing field, and we're going to start fearing one thing or the other. We're going to start fearing Babylon, or we're going to start fearing the Lord. 
And that's what's happening time in and time again. And so it's powerful. As, as Habakkuk is speaking this, and he goes on this little rant. This chapter 1 ends. If you want to read it this week, do it. Uh, join us in Declare Glory, uh, our online little ministry where we give daily devotions. Like, we'll dive into this. But the end of chapter 1, Habakkuk's just going on this rant about Babylon this, Babylon that, Babylon this, Babylon that. And then he pauses, and there's a shift in chapter 2. And it's like he catches himself. It's like he starts noticing, I'm fearing Babylon more than I'm listening to the Lord. And so he says this in chapter one, no, no change of, the, of God, like God hasn't spoken anything in this rant, but he shifts and chapter two starts and he says this, okay, God, I will take my stand at my watch post and I will station myself on the tower and I will look out and see, I will do what you say. I will, can you put that, that, that uh, scripture up? He says, I will take my stand at my watch post. I will station myself on the tower and I will look out to see what he will say to me and how I will answer concerning my complaint. He's saying, God, I'll see, I'll look, I'll behold, I'll wonder and be astounded. I'll, I'll, I'll sit and I'll watch. I'll wait for your, your response. I'll listen to you. And this is where I want to talk about the word complaint. Because from reading this, it says, and I will see how I will answer concerning my complaint. Now, what isn't happening is our English definition of complaint is a little like negative connotation. Do you hate the complainers in the world? Like I'm just, I struggle with complainers. Sometimes I am one and my wife has to be like, snap out of it, Greg. But then you create as a parent children who complain. And complainers are just these naggers. Complainers are naggers. Complainers are bitter about what they don't have and what they wish they had, and they always want more, right? Complainers. That's not Habakkuk here. Habakkuk is saying, God, I am going to listen to what you say, and I will see how I respond. Like, I don't, I'm not expecting a response already. Sometimes a complainer complains already expecting an answer and knowing that they're still going to be unhappy at the end, Right? Habakkuk's like, I will see how I answer. Like, I'll let it happen because I, I believe in you, God. And so it's a very different thing, but I, I wanted to write and let you know this, that Habakkuk's prayer, his prayers are a humble request. There, it's a humble request from a troubled and hungry heart. I mean, the, the Lord says, I want a broken and contrite heart. And so that's a prayer. But for the sake of all honesty, sometimes we complain more than we pray, Right? Sometimes we complain way more. And I want to separate something for you because sometimes I get stuck complaining to God. And then I wonder why he doesn't hear me. And it's not like he doesn't hear me. I'm just not speaking to him. I'm speaking to who I'm complaining about. And it's just very interesting. So really, I wrote this down, and this is a little side, but complaints are a fight, a whine, a critic, a nag, and they always stem from one of two things, all right? This is not Habakkuk, but this is one of two things. Complaints will either, they're either bitter rants of someone who expects that little change will happen, meaning this, God, if I was Habakkuk and I was complaining in this way, be like, God, do you not care? Do you not see that this is happening? Are you not going to do anything? And this is like that, that sarcasm that says, I know you're not going to do anything because I believe that you're this big God and, and Babylon is this big. I believe that you're this big God and Corona is this big. So are you going to do anything, God? 
Are you gonna be just going to keep happening? And that's a complaint, asking God the same thing, but it's from a heart that doesn't expect him to do anything. And so I got to say, that's not a prayer. That's a complaint. Or the opposite is true. It's the, God, are you going to do anything, but I'm expecting my version of the change to happen. So back it's saying, God, I understand that, but Babylon needs to go somewhere else. <laughs> do you hear me? But Babylon needs to go somewhere Like, I hear you, God. That's a good response. But let's send COVID, you know, to Mars. Like, let's, let's send it somewhere else. Like, can we box this, this fearfully great power that's causing death in my life? Can we just box it up and send it somewhere else? He's like, you're missing the point. I want you to trust me. I'm the God. I'm the God. And so we got to realize that this is happening, but that's not, again, Habakkuk's heart. He has a hungry heart. I will stand and watch. And in verse 2 of chapter 2, the Lord responds. And I'll tell you, this is the response that he has for all of us. So you ready for this? This is a beautiful response. It says, and the Lord answered me, I've got a vision for you. Hey, glory family, I have a vision for you. Are you ready? Like, this is what, I need you to write down the vision, God says. I need you to make it plain on tablets. Because what I'm about to say to you is going to be for long lasting. Like, it's going to need to be on a hard surface that will not deteriorate, all right? But it also, I need you to, it needs to be legible so that someone who runs can read it. In other words, what this vision is, it needs to be a, a, a very simple gospel, It needs to be something that people can understand and run with. They can get it and go. And so to the church who's hungry and hurting and wondering, God, where? He has a vision. He has a word that he said. And it's something so simple that we overcomplicate. But it's for the runner to get it and go do something with. Are you ready? So he continues. He says, for there is still a vision for an appointed time. And it speaks of an end, an end to Babylon, an end to Assyria, an end to everything that's fearful, an end to death. And it does not lie. For it seems to tarry, if it seems to tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come and it will not delay. And I'll tell you, the Apostle Paul, so this, this vision, it says there is a vision for the appointed time. The Apostle Paul uses these words, and maybe you know this verbatim, at the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. Did you hear? At the appointed time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, if you don't understand what that means, like literally, the fear of death, Jesus took it at the right time. You want to make something very plain. We have a God who took on the fear of Babylon, who took on the fear of death and defeated it. And so now what we wait on is the life that he is oh so powerfully inspired within us, but it's working out through us. And so when it says this is, this, if it seems like it's taken a long time, wait. Because my death and my resurrection, they are renewing you. It is making you new. I took the very fear of death 
and I defeated it. That's when it happened. Took the very fear of death. Literally, the call for Habakkuk for us is it's to wait for the vision to come fully. That at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And that right now, defeat, Jesus defeated death and his life is now working out in me. And so as someone who lives in a Babylonian season, what we wait on is not God to fix it. We wait on for Christ's death and resurrection to be true in us, genuine, as it works out in us. We wait on him to show himself fully, trusting that he will. We don't fear what isn't, we trust what is. Is this making sense? Like we, we sit in reality, and even so, God ends this little section in this way. It's so beautiful. He says this, the last verse that we're, we're reading this morning, he says, Habakkuk, I want you to look at the proud. Their spirit isn't right in them. But the righteous, they live by their faith. Now, I want you to, this is the beauty of this. Like, in the commentaries, this is what you don't get when you just open up the Bible and read it sometimes. But the Hebrew words here, and this is the powerful thing. It's not, hey, I want you to go and look at the proud. It's literally, it has this, this closeness, meaning me doing this. Hey, Seth, come with me to look at the proud. In other words, it's, it's denoting, it has this connotation of God saying, I see too. I know that their spirit isn't right. How many times have you ever been like, God, do you realize that just people are bad? <laughs> it's God saying, I hear you, I know. Look at the proud. I know their spirit isn't right within them. I know that this world is chaos. I know. It's this, this, this image of someone walking together and saying, let's look together at the proud. I know their spirit isn't right. I see it. And some of you need to hear this. Uh, or I wrote this down. It, God is speaking this to you. I am doing something about your concerns. But your primary concerns, those primary concerns that you operate with, they don't need to be about those concerns. Now, can I read that again? Look at the proud. I know their spirit isn't right within them. But those concerns, I see them. Can you put that back up? I see them. I am doing something about those concerns. Can you put that slide up for me? I'm doing something about those concerns. But your primary concerns don't need to be about those concerns. For the righteous live by their faith. For the righteous live by their faith. And so it's this beautiful ending. So much so that some of you know that sentence, the righteous will live by their faith. It's because Paul took it and ran with it. The apostle Paul is like, I'm using this in every letter that I possibly can to every church. And you're like, Paul's so good. No, it was Habakkuk. Heard this from the Lord wrote it down, the righteous will live by their faith. This was beyond his time. Do you know everyone else thought the righteous will live by their actions? <laughs> the righteous will live by their actions. The righteous will live by their actions. That was, that was Judaism for the longest time. That was what it meant to be a Jew. Do right things. But Habakkuk was like, the righteous will live by their faith. And Paul uses it, and it was right. It's Romans 1, if you want some fun reading this week. Romans chapter 1. It's really hard. It's a really difficult chapter. 
I encourage you right now, if you want to, write Romans 1. Circle it. It's really difficult. But what you'll realize in Romans chapter 1 is Paul is bringing up every Babylonian experience that has ever happened in all of humanity. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. It is the power of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel because the righteous will live by their faith. But then right after that, he says, but the worldless, the wicked, they suppress the truth. They suppress the truth. They suppress the truth. And and it's very powerful. There's this huge difference between the wicked who suppress the truth and the righteous who live by their faith. And did you know the word faith, it just literally means truth in Hebrew? Faithfulness, the ability to, to know truth, to know it. And so if you read Romans chapter one, it talks about every single Babylonian experience where the world suppressed their truth, wanted, lusted after, and God gave them over to it. God gave them over to Babylon. They, they wanted, they hungered, they lusted, and God gave them over to Babylon. God gave them, he allowed this huge thing to happen, the sin to occur. God allowed it to happen because they suppressed the truth. And so as we end this morning, I have a claim that I want you to write, and then we're going to talk it out. The claim is this. God allows Babylonian seasons because people respond in Babylonian seasons. And our God is a God that wants response. Here's a, a, a line in the sand. Are you for me or are you against me? Do you know that, that, that passage in, in Joshua? I think it's Joshua. I hope so. If it's not, it's okay. Uh, where he, he draws this line in the sand. is like, are you with me or are you against me? That's why God allows Babylonian seasons. That's why God allows things like death and corona and, and pandemics and, and world things to happen is because, yes, like, you want to challenge me on that, do it. But a God allows bad things to happen so that he gets the glory, and we have to trust in someone greater than the bad thing that we fear. That is why. God allows this stuff to happen. He allowed Babylon to take over because he wanted his people to make a decision. Will you live by faith or will you suppress the truth? Will you live by faith or will you suppress the truth? Will you live by faith or will you suppress the truth? Both of the responses that are going to happen. Will you live by faith or will you suppress the truth? Our world is ready to respond. They are. Do you remember last week and the past two weeks when I said, hey, the harvest is plentiful, Glory Church? Like, do you, do you realize that the harvest at your workplace is plentiful because a Babylonian season is happening in our world and people are responding? Do you realize that that's a wake-up call for the church to make the vision very plain? Do you hear me? Like, I don't, I just want to wake up like, if the non-believers, if people who don't know the hope that you have aren't being met by you, then you're missing the point of the vision. Do you hear me? It's to be plain, written out on a tablet so that someone can get it and go. A Babylonian season has happened in our world 
And you have the ability to meet the people who are responding in fear and to teach them truth. But we have to actively do so. We, the, the, the righteous will live by their faith. And this vision is not just for Habakkuk, it's for the people. And so I just encourage you, the world is responding all the time, but God is up to something. He's doing something. He's doing something. But he says, are you gonna take this very simple gospel and make it so someone can run with it? You're gonna do it. God, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you that you are a God who allows the weight of this world to not crush us, but to shape us. Lord, your word says that this light and momentary trouble, though it feels like everything, it does not even <laughs> grasp the weight of your glory. So God, I pray that we can realize and understand the depth of death is nothing in comparison to the greatness of you. I thank you for you, your love, your power. Teach us to respond accordingly, to live by faith, to not be people who suppress truth, but instead lead others out of it. To you be the glory. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.